0: Well, hello to everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I am Steve Wiss and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan Faduba. And I know Jonathan is in a very uh, electric mood this evening at the time of recording. Uh, You're well up for this one, aren't you, my friend?
1: Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I've got the gleam in my eye tonight. I think this is going to be an electric podcast i've just i could see even in you and i steve just a little sort of cheeky cheeky smile <laughs> i can see a little cheeky smile and there's a few things i think we've both got to get off our chest in this one um so yeah welcome to the show obviously um covering norway and sweden as always and we're getting towards the sort of latter stages of the season now 20 games plus in getting to the final stretch aren't we steven the things are starting to uh, get a little bit tasty
0: they certainly are and uh yeah, I think this episode could get potentially spicy, um, <clears throat> especially in the Swedish uh, section. We've got plenty of things to discuss about uh, European matches, uh, Ausvenskan matters, uh, Lita Serien matters. Uh, actually, at the time of recording just now, there has been some breaking news uh, coming in from uh, the Ausvenskan. We've been just been bombarded by Watford fans and um, podcasts and anything related to the Hornets because... Kalmar striker, Mileta Radovic, is on his way to Vicarage, 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 Vicarage Road. I was getting off French there. Um, uh, what do you make of this one, JF? Because, uh, I mean, he was actually in one of your 10 to watch this season. But uh, did you anticipate a move to the English Championship this soon?
1: Yeah, we thought, why not just uh, get cracking on some of the transfers especially with the window about to close. There's a few, quite a few transfers to talk about, actually, on this episode. And one of the main ones, of course, is Mileta Radovic to Watford. Now, this one's come out a little bit out of left field because all the reports seem to be driven by Watford um, sort of accounts and Watford personalities. I haven't actually seen a huge amount of reports in Sweden, so this is a little bit out of the blue. I'm not entirely sure the accuracy of it. Um, there's been reports that Radovic was left out, left out of the Kalmar squad, obviously, for this reason. Now... The reports are that he's on his way to, to, to Hertfordshire or London to do a medical, and uh, a fee's been agreed. So let's talk about Miletta which As he said there, I mean, just as a side note, since that news broke, I've had people, I mean, I, I think I'm the most popular man in Watford this evening. Uh, Watford Gap is my territory because I've had DMs, I've had people adding me on LinkedIn, I've had people f- f- following my Instagram. DMs on Instagram, DMs on the Nordic Football Podcast. We've had emails. I mean, I feel like a hunted man, Steve. Um, so I don't <laughs> exactly know what's going on. Not, not quite used to this uh, adulation, but yeah, plenty of questions about Raduic. So so let let's have a little look at him. And mate, I did refer people to our ten to watch, twenty of the finest picks he could have in Norway and Sweden, selected in April. Um, so Raduic was on my list of ten to watch in Ospenskan this season. So of course. If you're a loyal supporter of the Nordic Football podcast, which I know many of you are, uh, you will already know who this player is and you will be one step ahead of the game. But just to introduce him to maybe um, Watford fans who might be listening to this for the first time or might not know any- anything about the player. A uh, couple of things I said in my um, Ausfence scan tend to watch about this player. Now, he caught my eye actually in one of the early games around preseason, just before the season started and some of the reports about him. Now, this is a player, I think he's turned 24 now. He was 23 at the start of the season. Uh he was signed by Kalmar, uh, he was Bromby youth, uh, and he had an excellent scoring record in Denmark for a team called Nicefet. Now um he played, yeah, that this is where he came to my attention, Stephen, the Swedish Cup, uh, which is traditionally played early season, sort of February time, before the season begins, uh in sort of April um, time. So so when Radio is signed, he scored four games and four got five goals, sorry, in four games in the Swedish Cup. Uh, and I thought to myself, who is this? Who is this lad? Um, he's, been described by, he's been described on one Swedish website as uh, 189 centimetres tall, tank of a forward. And uh, Steve, I did say this to you, I think. And I've said it a few times, actually, when we we have talked about Ray Rich a few times on this podcast. I said to you at the time, I do like players with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I like players who have a bit of confidence about them. Maybe not Zlatan level, but just I like players who come into a league and they say, uh, and this was the quote from Radwich when he came in to Osvensk he said, I want to be the golden boot winner. Now, you'd think someone coming from sort of Danish lower divisions would not have that kind of big uh, appetite to make bold statements. But I, I. some people would say, oh, that's a bit arrogant, but I loved it. Um, and he is a tank of a forward. like That, that description has always stuck with me. Um, and I've used it to describe him a few times. He is a tank. Now, the interesting thing with him, as he's adapted, he's been really, really good. Now, there was a period of time where... Actually, I was in Gothenburg at the time and of uh, interesting story with a loyal listener to the podcast, loyal friend Sam Hart. I was in Gothenburg with him watching the game and I told him to captain Radjewicz for his fantasy team. And he did score twice in that game. And I think uh, I didn't captain him, which is annoying. Basically, the point I'm trying to make is everyone there was a period of time where everyone started to put Radjewicz in their fantasy team because he, he just, became, he just, he just ex- kind of exploded onto the scene, um, Steve. And he's he's really carried on that form into the season. He scored seven goals. And he's been a very sort of important part of, of Kalmar's team. Now Kalmar changed managers. They've had a bit of a regeneration this season. Manager left. He was a top manager, went to Malmo. And um, he's had to adapt, basically, which Kal- uh, is their sort of main, main forward. Now, I mentioned they've had quite a low XG, Kalmar, in general. Not really scored many goals, expected goals. But um, in 20 games, Rich and Elsvenskan has scored seven goals. Uh, he's got one assist. Um, in the Swedish Cup, as I mentioned, he got five goals in four appearances. So in total, he's got, I think, for Kalmar, I think 12 goals in total um, in about 24 games, which isn't bad. Um, but what I would just say quickly, Steve, I know you will probably have a couple of comments and maybe a question, but the, the one thing I just wanted to say about Radjewicz in terms of summing him up, I think this is a good move for Watford because I think he can go up a level. Now, Championship is a is a big jump. So, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. But the one thing I just want to say about Ray, is I think he's playing in a team that hasn't suited his qualities. And I said it about three or four episodes ago, Steve, when we talked about Kalmar. I said, if Radjavich goes to a better team, I think he's, he will be a, could potentially be a top player. Um, and I said to him, I said to you on that podcast about two, three episodes ago, you can go back. I said, I'd love to see him at Malmo. I'd love to see him at maybe a Hammerby or a sort of um, uh, a Hacken team that creates loads of chances for him because he's, he's a penalty box poacher you're going to ask me what type of player he is but I feel like going to a bigger team that has wide players who can create more chances than Kalmar I think this is a real potentially big player. Championship level is a big step up but in summary Steve I think Watford fans can rightly be pretty fairly excited about this Loki.
0: I I have to agree with you I think um, this is a man who has been very, very frustrated recently, uh, lacking service. It's quite obvious he's um, put him in a better team where there's more chances and he will deliver the goods. Uh, Kalmar have the lowest XG average of any team in Auschwenska, 0.95. So put him in, you know, Watford outfit, which are expected to challenge probably for the playoffs, at least. Um, I think it's a good bit of talent spotting, really. We've seen recently... Akor Adams moved to Montpellier from Lillestrøm. I think they're they're two similar types of players, actually, quite physically strong. He already he set the um, you know the ground running um, there, so I think it could be a smart move uh, for Watford. But what do you reckon? Are they really getting from this striker then? Can he make the switch up to Championship level? What sort of attributes does he have to make him the ideal skill set there?
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And I think in terms of, uh, obviously, we have a partnership with Wisecow and just looking at his numbers in Scan this season, he's he's averaging 0.34 goals per 90, uh, 0.005 assists, which is obviously, he's not really someone who's going to get assists, but he's averaging 2.1 shots per match, 50%, 48.9% um, accuracy. And I think that kind of sums him up, Steve. He's someone who, he, he's good in the air. He's strong as an ox. He's a tall player, a um, bit of confidence about him. and He is a penalty box poacher. He's someone who can score goals, right foot, left foot, uh, header. He can receive the ball. He can sort of play back to goal. And he can also sort of um, get in the six yard box. I really like his running, maybe runs to the near post, runs to the back post as a striker. If you're putting crosses across the box, he's someone who's going to come alive in that penalty area. Now, I think, like I say, he had a period of season where he was thriving for at the early season, and then he kind of has gone a little bit dry there, as he alluded to Steve. His right, goals have run a little bit dry recently, had a few games where he was taken off, didn't really massively impress. But he's obviously done enough to alert the attention of Watford scouts. And um, yeah, I think this is a little bit of a smart, smart bit of business. I'm not entirely sure he'll go straight into Watford's first team. I think they've got other players he will rival with, and I think he'll have to maybe compete for a place on the bench. But I did say that with Benny Traore, who, of course, is in Sheffield United's first team playing Premier League football, which I thought the jump was too big. Off can straight to Premier League. Um, and Triore is already playing in the league. So perhaps it's case-by-case basis, you know. But I think the one thing I would certainly say, Steve, Radu has got the physical qualities to, to play in the championship. I think it's a physical league. You need to be strong, and I think he is. Um, and what I would sort of conclude by saying is normally players like this, I would say. It's too early. Like, they've only played 20 games in Offense, And it's, you know, you need a bit more time. I actually think at the age of 24, I'm actually quite pleased for him. I, I feel like this is the kind of move he needs to get his career going. I've said a few times, I think there's a real player in there. If if um, if he could be around maybe ble- better players. With no disrespect to Kalmar. I just think that he, um I think he is a level above Kalmar. Uh, I know there's a couple of famous listeners that might not like me saying that. But I just think he is ready for, like, a big step. And... It doesn't surprise me that a team like Watford's come in from. I actually think this is quite a smart bit of transfer business. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's an encouraging move for him. And I wouldn't say I'm happy to see him leave the league because I think he's a quality. I enjoy watching him play, basically. He, he makes Calmar interesting for me to watch the season. I quite like his his cut and thrust. Uh, he's an aggressive player as well. Camera are quite pretty in their football, but he's like the aggressive sort of um, thrust at the end of it. But I actually think that he's, I think he's almost ready for that move now. So, yeah, big news coming out of us, out of, um, well, English Championship tonight uh, and Osvenskan.
0: Yes, uh, big moves uh, indeed. Uh, we've got a few other transfers to talk about in this show. Uh, we might as well stick with Well, we're, while we're at it. I'll go through, uh, let's go through the results of the most recent round, round number 20. Uh, Varberg nil, Va- uh, Varnamo three. Uh, looks like Varberg are pretty much gone. Dega one, IFK Gothenburg two, Bromma poiken three, Hamstad one. Uh, a pair of nil nil draws between Malmo and your and Kalmar and Hammerby. Uh, Hecken three, Sirius two. Probably the game of the round. Plenty to talk about uh, that later. Uh, Elfsburg, two, Mialby nil. Norshipping three, uh, K one on Monday night, and what that does for the table: clear three-horse race at the top. Elsborg forty-five points, Hecken forty-two, Malmo forty-two. Sorry, Hecken forty-four, Malmo forty-two. But all three teams pretty close in their goal difference as well. Down at the bottom, Varberg on eleven, Icor on nineteen, along with IFK, and then you got Degerfors and Sirius on twenty points each. So. Where are we going to start at the top of the table uh, this week? Uh, Jonathan, just looking at the itinerary here. And uh, a big transfer for Mal- Malmo, who I can't get this team because it looked like they were back on track with a couple of good wins at home. And now they've, they've lost to Mialby uh, they've lost, sorry, they've drawn against Diff. No goals in the last two games, but they may have a solution in the transfer market, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, and I think the first thing to say is, um, obviously, if you want more bonus content if you didn't watch our tensor to watches there's still 19 other players that we've not talked about here that you can go and listen to steve i think we're actually about i've got a feeling about 50 percent of those players have left the league um maybe maybe 30 to 40% at least yeah um there's at least three of my players have left the league on that list and i'm sure a couple of yours as well so uh yeah we've, we're having a successful season on our 10 to so patreon.com nordic football podcast of course um anything you do subscribe will goes towards the running of the show and helps us sort of cover costs and you know keeps us in fine linen uh steve so i know your um meat pies don't don't come for free so um but yeah no like if you if you're able to obviously you know uh, support us via that patreon you you do get that extra bonus content we also had a good week on the weekend preview show um two out of two tips correct for me and i think you got a couple right as well so we'll talk about that later maybe in part two but Um, Yeah, I think we need to talk about this transfer. I mean, on the subject of transfers, I mean, the main thing I want to talk about this week, Steve, is relegation, which we'll come to next. Um, I've got a rant that's been brewing for about four days and I don't want to waste my time talking about uh, the title race this week. I want to get into relegation. But um, Oliver Berg, this is a massive, this is a bombshell, actually. This broke last week. And ironically, Steve, it broke before the Malmo-Urgarden game. Uh, for now for those who don't know Oliver Berg he was at Kalmar last season again a bit like Rajevic really did really well he played under Henrik Riestrom, who is now the new Malmö manager and of course uh, had a really good season um Riestrom went to Malmö Berg went to your Garden um but there was always a bit of a rumor that you know Malmö wanted Riestrom wanted to take him to Malmö and you know why didn't he go and join his sort of um his his former manager there and uh, Just seemed a little bit. It just seemed like there was maybe something to come in the future on this one, but I'm very, very surprised to see what's happened here. Um, Very badly timed in terms of the move. It all broke the day before they played each other. Um, A lot of um, a lot of bad blood in this one, actually. I think Uh, they 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 kind of had conversations, um, and it it broke out that, that Berg was in talks with with Malmo before I think a deal was agreed. Um, the sporting director of 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 uh Eurogarden boss Anderson came out and accused um, Henrik Riesdrom of tapping him up. He said I'm I'm convinced they were in contact before and and basically kind of threw some threw some words at Riesdrum. Uh Riestrom didn't really deny it. He said you always have contact with players and check how they're doing. Um, And you always exchange, he says, he says, quote unquote, tips and links to tactical articles and things that you pick up. Oliver is one such player. So clearly he's not denying that they've been in contact, but maybe he's saying it's more of a a friendly manner. Um, But obviously, I'm sure maybe is there a WhatsApp conversation there saying, hey, fancy coming to Malmo? Um, And he said at that time, he said he's a garden player. It would be rude for me to talk about him. Uh, But boss Anderson, you know, was not happy about it. He said, listen, I think they've discussed the transfer. Uh, and clearly, it's all moved pretty quickly. I don't exactly know. I don't really get it, to be honest. Steve, because I will say that I don't think Berg really ever really looked comfortable at your garden. I always felt that he's a, he's kind of a false nine, and he was playing as like a as like a kind of a they played him as like a at times they played him as like a number ten behind the, behind a the forward. Then obviously they sold Edvardson, they sold um, they sold Bergström. Yola Soros has not really played too much this season. They kind of moved him as back into that false nine role, put him on penalties. He kind of had a bit of an impact. But it's never really it's never just really looked that comfortable in that in that Jurgen team. I feel I feel like they 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 signed him but didn't really maybe know exactly where they wanted to play him. That that was the feeling I always got. It was like a, a good player in a team that that was a kind of a 4-2-3-1 team and they didn't really want him as a, as a 10 because his, his his attributes are kind of getting into that penalty area. And arriving late into the box and kind of as, as, as a nine if that makes sense rather than behind someone um but it got ugly Steve this did actually so uh obviously the two teams played each other uh and um when when Jurgen lost to to Gothenburg a, a week ago Berg was confronted by his own fans at, at the stadium at Gavin Ullevi after the final whistle uh, and it was got pretty ugly um I know that Jorgen haven't been in huge hugely great form lately. Um but yeah, he got a bit of um he got a bit of gr- grief from the from his own fans. I'm not sure if that's you know uh contributed to this move maybe in some way or if they maybe knew something was going on, but um but yeah, basically the the comments saying that you know he wasn't too happy with what happened. Uh he was frustrated and you know he came out and said he wasn't really happy with it, but obviously part of part of football he said. Um but yeah, then then all of a sudden these rumours came out that he's you know he's gonna gonna leave. So it's a bit of a strange one to be honest. I have to say, Steve. And uh, within days, the move was agreed. Jurgen put out a statement on their website, and um, he's now Malmo player. He's made his debut in the Swedish Cup this evening, and and he's gone to Malma.
0: Never quite felt like the right fit, did it, Jurgen, for a bear Just didn't, and I think this probably will suit him a lot better, uh, linking up with his. Uh, former manager and they need him because you know you know they're three points now off the top of the table no goals in two um you know shout out to Olsberg again who seemed to bounce back from adversity quite well you know on the face of it a 2-0 against Mialbi isn't that impressive but I actually think it is Mialbi just beat um Malmo and uh although you did say on the we had a weekend previous year you did say that Mialbi do struggle to back up one good result with another one um but Elfsborg still are top of the table. Um, quick shout out on them, just you know, for again bouncing back.
1: Yeah, they've done well to bounce back. Uh, but you're you're not really taking my hint about relegation, are you? I think you're you're delaying the gratification here, aren't you? Uh, I'm not really interested in talking about the title race this week. So, yeah, good win for them.
0: Well, you know, I just want to, you know, give credit to where, where credit is uh, due. Um no, I'll be fair, I'll
1: they... elaborate. It's a bit unfair. I'll, be, I'll elaborate slightly. Um, I didn't actually see the game, so in some ways I can't comment. They've got some new signings. Like Balderson came in, had a decent match. Um, of course, they lost Lagerbielka, so first game without him, and they've kept a clean sheet, which is which is impressive. Um, but, yeah, like like I say, Steve, um, there, there's, there's there's things brewing inside me that I need to get out. So can we move on, please? <laughs>
0: Ship again in fourth place, by the way. Just, just looking at the table now, my eyes are like, wow, um, seeing that particular position for them. But we'll have to leave them for another week. Um, although we are talking about the IK game later, aren't we? Um, well, we do
1: have a question about Northshipping, actually. Maybe you can dig it out later. But um, we did yeah. have a listener question, which I, I would like to maybe touch on.
0: Yeah, OK. Um, right, so... Let's now move to Hecken against Sirius. Obviously, a match which affects both the top and bottom of the Alsvenskan table. A three-two late victory for Hecken. Um, the ninety-fifth minute own goal. I, it felt like a big goal to me. I must say, I, tw- I actually tweeted it out a bit later um, myself. And uh, you yeah, know, affects both ends of the table. Take us uh, through this match, Jonathan. I know you've got plenty to say about Sirius, and that's going to lead on to like the relegation battle talk um, very soon after that one. But a bit of a wild game.
1: Yes, time for my time for my time for my. um... Well, this has been brewing for a while, to be honest. Now, you might remember. Well, for those who follow us on Twitter at Nordic Foot Pod, I've been making a few comments about Sirius in recent weeks uh, for good justification. Now, I refer you to my tweet on the 31st of July, 24th of July, Steve. Sirius should not be losing this game. They play some very nice football, but they have a very soft centre, inexperience at in the back and a lack of grit to get the job done. A decent footballing team, but the way they lose games, they could, the way they lose games that they shouldn't lose, they could well be a candidate to go down. 24th of July, 8.02pm. Uh 31st of July, 7.47pm. Sirius conceding an 80, eighty-eighth minute goal to lose a game they've played well in. I am shocked. Now, that refers to Steve to the two matches that they played um, against. Let me just pull up the pull up the games because they are not on a good run at this moment in time, Steve. But that was the game against Mialbi, Steve, where they went 1-0 up, 2-1 down, got it back to 2-2, two two, 77th minute lost the match following week steve 31st of july Sirius aik played well did a decent job 89th minute bilal hussein strike lose the game following week they lose 1-0 at Elsborg. following week they beat kalmar 3-0 um steve, And this hacking game they went 1-0 up York in person literally in the second minute of the match started really brightly looked really good Sadiq got an equaliser. Uh, it went 2-1 up, Matthews. Uh, actually, I don't think it was Matthews. I think it was a cross. Matthews, but, um,
0: Matthews did score, I think. Pretty sure it, he got on the score sheet. He
1: might have been credited the goal, yeah, but I don't think it was actually... I don't think it might it was have been an own score. goal. Was it an own goal? Yeah. I think he smashed it and it came off someone and bounced into right. that, basically. But, right, yeah, he, I mean, he was at the heart of it. Uh, but then, Steve, and Steve I'm just going to... Re- when they were 2-1 up, let me just read you my tweet. At 2-1 up. 3:19, 20th of August. Sirius, a 2-1 up away to bickle Hakan and playing really well. So a 3-2 defeat in the last 10 minutes is inevitable, dot, dot, dot. Minutes later, goal, 3-30. <laughs> 11 minutes later, goal, Hakan, 2-2. A uh, few people tweet laughing and, and sort of just saying, like, surely this is not going to happen, Steve. And then in the 95th minute, as if by clockwork, uh, across into the box uh, and, and literally your uh, person, or uh, I believe it's person, has battered the ball into his own net, own goal, absolutely smashed it in like Duncan Ferguson at the near post uh, to lose the game 3-2. Now, Steve, this has been brewing in me for, for like, like I said, 24th of July, this is a good month I've been saying this, that serious could be in serious trouble. And we are now here, Steve. Uh, this is JF football being proven to a degree accurate. Now, I just want to read you a couple of the other results Steve they had this season. This is not something that I've just plucked out of thin air. Um Sirius 3 Elsborg 4 8th of May Steve. Elsborg take the lead. Uh Sirius got 2 one up. 2 all 3-2 to Sirius and then 87th minute 3-3. Three, three. 89th minute Johan Larsen 4-3 they lose the game. Uh there's so many games Steve I could go through. I mean I I can I could sit here and name plenty more games. Serious, Hammerby, 9th of July, uh, they go 1-0 down, they equalise, 75th minute, go 2-1 down. Um, I've just mentioned literally five games there, minimum five to six games, Steve. Uh, the only one in their, in their favour, 90th minute equaliser at Kalmar, 3rd of May, where they, they pull one back themselves for a change. But every other place, it is literally them conceding late goals, Steve, in games where they've played quite well and then they've thrown it away. Um, and... I'm going to say this, Steve, because we are talking about relegation here. I am personally thinking they could get relegated. Now, Steve, I just want to ask you something, right? Do you ever sort of feel like a player can embody uh, a team, if you know what I mean? Like the feeling of a team can be summed up by one player. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Certainly, you look at Patrick Bamford at Leeds.
1: <laughs> you sometimes Man. get one player that sums up a team, right? Now, th- with the greatest respect to him, I actually like Tash, I like Tashrik Matthews, right? He's in my fantasy team. Um, he's contributed well for me. He gets decent amount of goal. I think he's actually stepped up a level this season. He's become now a decent forward. But I will tell you something, Steve, that drives me up the wall, right? With ser- and this to me is serious in a nutshell, right? Go back and watch Malmo serious okay three nil first of july okay you'd think it's a routine win for serious this game keith satell in fifth minute right mm-hmm. then he scored in the 47th minute penalty and then the Nasi in the 55th minute you'd think to yourself routine routine win but I distinctly remember in this game Steve three chances um two of them fell to Tasriet Matthews one of them where he was clean through on goal Steve and he, he missed the chance and I'll tell you what drives me mad, Steve. Sometimes, like don't, don't get me wrong, I like footballers who, who enjoy the game, right? I like to see joy on people's faces. Tashreek Matthews is a player. Whenever he misses it, go and watch, you watch it. Watch next time you watch serious. Keep an eye on this. Whenever Tashreek Matthews misses a chance, he has this big, wide South African grin on his face, as if to say, like, ah, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's innocent. It's not like a cynical thing. It's innocent. He is actually just maybe a, a fun-loving kind of guy, right? But it's this kind of big toothy grin, like when he misses a, mass, a big chance, like kind of a smiley, oh, well, it doesn't matter. What shame I didn't score that, you know, like, ah, what? ah, it's a shame, isn't it? Let's laugh about it. Maybe it's like a nervous laugh, whatever, however you want to put it. But I'm telling you, this this smile of Tashmute Matthews is serious, IK serious football club in a nutshell to me because it happens... So many times, Steve, the hacking game this weekend just gone. They had chances to go 3-0 up, 3-1 up, 4-1 up. Matthews himself missed two big chances. And I've seen this smile every time I've seen serious play in the last three, four weeks. This kind of like, ah, that was a shame. Could have scored that, but I didn't. Oh, well, that's the breaks. You know what I mean? That kind of just, that kind of just like blasé. It's all a bit of a laugh type thing. Now, I'm not criticising Matthews, because actually, I think, like I say, he's a fun-loving guy, so I I do feel a bit harsh picking on him. But just that is, to me, that is serious at this moment in time. It's like, playing nice football, everything's fun and roses. We look good, so everything's great. But at the end of the day, you've lost. Now, it is in massive danger, to even coming back to bite them. Because now, if you look at this table, they are just above the relegation zone. You've got an EF Coyoteborg, in a minute we'll talk about, who are sort of picking up points now. You've got AIK who are also you'd expect them to pick up points. Sirius are now 12, one point above uh EF Corps and in 14th and AIK in fifteenth. That is the relegation zone. They're one point above it despite uh the amount of games they've played so well in and lost. They could easily have a minimum of nine more points than they have currently twenty points. Um and when I say about sort of smiling, I don't I'm not criticizing smiling, right? Dwight York, for example, was a, a great player for Manchester United who he would always smile. They called him the Calypso Kid, right? He always had that grin on his face, and I, I don't mind players who are happy. And I'm not trying to say like everything should be serious, but the difference is Dwight York had that kind of killer instinct. He was ruthless when he wasn't, obviously, out with page three models. He actually had that. Yeah, had that kind of nastiness that you needed to get the job done. Matthews, for me, sums up where serious are at the moment. Now, listen, if you listen, I hope you don't take offense to this. I know it's innocent from his point of view. But that's just the feeling I get, Steve. It's kind of like they're sleep—they're basically sleepwalking into relegation. And I—I'm—I urge Sirius and everyone who listens to this, related to Sirius, that they need to kind of wake up, Steve, because I think they're walking into it, getting relegated.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting you say about um, because this this is a completely different sport. But my own cricket team, and I don't actually know how many players in my cricket team listen to this podcast. One of our Australian players used to follow it religiously, actually back in the day, but he, it really winds me up if someone gets out of cricket and walks back to the pavilion with a big smile on their face. I would much rather someone come straight in and literally smashes their battle helmet against the dressing <laughs> room door, um, as some people do, because, um, and I know it winds some other people up as well, um, it almost infers that you don't care as much, it, it, it's the way it comes across so I know where you're coming from and Math- Matthews is a very frustrating player isn't he, I've watched him quite a bit um, I don't know what is his final finish or decision sometimes can go a little bit wanting, although he's clearly talented um, serious are interesting side, rank completely mid-table in terms of the metrics so they shouldn't be down there um, in terms of the points because their actual XG and XGA puts them as a mid-table side, so something's going wrong isn't it? And I think they've got—they're one of them teams. And every league has them. They seem to struggle in the big moments, at both ends of the field. And uh, if you keep getting those moments wrong, it certainly can come uh, back to bite you, can't it? And uh, that league table, like you said, now is starting to be concerning. They've lost what is it? Three, five, three, five, six of their last eight games. So we we never seem to really give them an awful lot of airtime do we on on the nordic football podcast but uh, they're getting more than their fair share
1: here do you, you believe that they are sliding towards huge relegation trouble i think they're in, i think they're in massive trouble steve I, th- I think the hacken game, i mean if anyone was following us on the nordic pod the, the odds actually at that time when they went to when they were, hacken were 2-1 down the odds for them to win were 7.4 now as far as i'm concerned that's buying money I, I tweeted it i said literally they they will lose this game and lo and behold, they lost the game. And it wasn't even like a bold prediction. It wasn't even really... I didn't even feel... I didn't even have a... I didn't even have a... I didn't even have a, a centimetre of doubt in my mind that they would lose. Um, and I don't... To be honest, Steve, I don't even... I think if you ask the serious players, I, don't, I think they thought... they. I still think they thought they would lose when they were 2-1 up. That is what I'm trying to sort of say. Like I feel like it's becoming psychological. I, f- I feel like they are... I feel like they're losers. In the sense, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to say it, but I feel, I feel like they've got a loser mentality at that club. And I feel like, you, you know, Steve, you get teams who sort of. I'm not criticizing. I don't mean it personally. Like, I'm not saying the players. I'm not. I'm saying the club as a, as an entity. You, you know, you have clubs sometimes where they get safe and they're like, right, pack, let's pack it in. We we're job done. Like we're safe. We're going to with the table. Like down nothing's going to really go. Nothing's going to go wrong. We don't. We're not going to get into Europe. We're not going to go down. I just feel like that's where they are and they're going to they're going to get caught out because I expect EF Court to get better I think Degafor's have shown signs of life Um, Vibor probably gone but you know there's another team we're going to talk about in a second who your theory is that you think are heading that way as well but from my point of view of series, I just think that they've got a bit of a that, like the loser mentality is settling in. You know, when they the own goal was the most inevitable thing you've ever seen in your life, Steve, in the 95th, it was just obviously gonna like you just knew they were gonna lose. Like, there's I don't think anyone in the state, I could the fans after the game, they did a pan shot to the fans, and the fans were just sort of like <laughs> the fans were just sort of like <laughs> like shrugging their shoulders in the stack. was probably about 20 traveling fans, I don't know, maybe a 100, but I could you could see them just in bucket hats, just sort of shrugging their shoulders, like, well. Here we are again, if you know what I mean. like, Even they knew they were going to lose. And this is what I'm sort of trying to say, Steve. The Ospenskens Osband, is not a big league where you can sort of get to 12th, like the Premier League, and just just chill. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's not kind of Netflix and chill when you're when you're a 12th place. In, in Ospenskens, if you're not careful, you, you can get sucked into it. And I, I genuinely think, I mean, it's only one point now, so this isn't even a hot take. They're massively in trouble. They need to wake up and start seeing out games. Um, because if they don't they'll be relegated and and the reason I'm saying this Steve, like with a bit of passion and and urgency um you know Matthews is 22 years old I think he can go on and actually have a decent career I think he could go higher I could easily see him in for example the Netherlands our favorite league um or somewhere else if you know what I mean I I could see him he's got a good career in it. they've got a lot of players Steve where I'm like "You're, you're actually a decent player they're a good team and they play nice football Steve they're entertaining to watch this manager um, Matson, who's come from Bromapoykina of course he's the man who took over from Sean Constable uh, and got them back to back promotions uh, with Bromapoykina and then obviously he's taken a serious job and and they play nice football Steve they, they, they pass it around, they outplayed Hakan for a good 60 minutes in that game now I don't know if it's fitness, I don't know if it's kind of just like I say lack of self-belief, loser mentality but there's something in their mind psychologically or maybe it's just fitness wise that, that is not allowing them to see out games and I think it's a real shame because like I said they actually outplayed Hakan Haken got very lucky in that match, in my opinion. Uh, it could have easily gone like 4-1 or something too serious. And that is why I'm injecting that urgency, because I'm saying, you, you guys play nice football and you don't really deserve a lot of these defeats. Um, but they are getting, they're racking them up every single week, basically. So, um, yeah, I think they could go down, Stephen. I'm actually, I'm actually leaning towards thinking they will go down because they lack that sort of, um, they like that grit that you need sometimes to just grind out a couple of results to get out of it, out of trouble. Um, but moving on, of course, you've got another team who you think are in massive trouble in Los Angeles going to go down.
0: Yeah, I can hear some of the serious fans and serious players listening to this and and literally uh, thinking, You cannot be serious. <laughs> I think that we, we decided on the title of the episode of this. Uh, uh, podcast uh, several days ago, uh, sounding a bit like John McEnroe, John McEnroe there, but uh, let's just talk about this risk relegation battle then. And um I mean, it's still two big clubs in that bottom three. Varberg we think, are gone 11 points. They're not coming back from that. AIK and EF Core on 19 points each, but both sides have shown signs of improvement recently, especially EF Core in terms of wins. Probably got to think both sides will, with 10 games left, probably find a way out of that bottom three. Degafors, we know, have, have got their issues 20 points, but they I've, I've I have seen a lot more fight from them of like, I must say they're actually getting bodies on the line a lot more than they were, they were doing at the start of the season. Then we got Sirius on 20, we've talked about them. Halmstad, they're the team that I'm massively worried about, and I think they're really. Fortunate that they've got twenty five points, which is a night that is a that's crucially six points above danger right now because they are free falling. They're one of them teams who I look at, and I I think of their last ten, they're probably going to lose seven or eight of their last ten games. They're that they're that bad right now. I don't know what's going on at Halmstad behind the scenes, but it all seemed to start when they lost five nil at home to Varberg, and you know the goalkeeper retired after that match. I mean, who the hell loses 5-0 at home to Varberg anyway? Um, at the time, we were thinking, you know, is it a one-off? Is it a fluke? They've since lost 3-0 at Malmo. Okay, we'll let them off that. 3-1 at home to Norshipping, and then 3-1 against Brombojkina. So, they're not just losing games. They're conceding a lot of goals. I've looked at their metrics and they're not good. They have the worst average XG per 90 minutes in Alsfensken, 1.85. And they also have the second-worst expected goals scored in Svenskin at 0.98, not 0.98 per match. Only Kalmar is worse. So, metrically, they, they're they probably the worst team in the league. And you know, they're sitting there in, what is it, 14th, 11th place. I, I think there's a massive chance that they could end up in the playoff. That's, what's, that's where I see them right now. And that's, of course, where they went down uh, before when they're in the league. So... Are you concerned about Hamstache form yourself? Do you think could you see them getting sucked into it, or have they got enough of a buffer?
1: It's a strange one with Hamstache because I, I agree with everything you're saying almost pretty much. But I think you're onto something when you say there there might be something going on behind the scenes there. Actually, I hadn't, I hadn't really considered it, but now that you kind of mention it, I, I'm starting to think about it, and I'm like, you know what, you could be right. Um, Funnily enough, there were some quotes a couple of weeks ago uh, when it was announced that Nilsson Sakefister was sort of pausing his career um, due to sort of mental health problems. And Magnus Hagelin said that it has been an emotional, a Hampstead coach basically came out and said it's been an emotional week. It was a shocking week for us. Um, He opened up about it and said, he was pretty honest actually, he said, uh, Malcolm's a figurehead in some way and a very important player and person in our group. Um, the fact that he's taken a break was unexpected for me and his teammates. He's been walking alone with dark thoughts um, and stuck together based on the person he is. But in the end, it was too much for him. Um, It's been a hard week. It really has been. And yeah, I don't know, Stevie, he is a massive character in the dressing room, I think, you know, and maybe, maybe it's kind of like, you know, some of the comments he made, he kind of said, you know, we all walk around with demons and dark thoughts and it can become dark. It become it can become very dark and it can linger for a long time. And Malcolm had a long and tough day in that match. And, and it almost feels like that was break. Maybe that was like breaking point of his career. And he just decided after that, like, like, it feels like quite ugly. If that makes sense. Like, I don't know. It sound, this is a bit trivial, maybe a little bit. um. it's probably it is probably a bit trivial to say, but it almost, it almost feels like, you know, when you, yeah, it kind of—I know it's a serious topic, but it kind of reminded me of like the Undertaker at WrestleMania when he kind of when his career was ending. If you know what I mean, there were comments about how, like how difficult it is to sort of like carry on when you know you're ending something. If that makes sense. Um, and I just imagine him there when they lost five-nil, maybe probably just standing there on the goal line, just thinking, "I'm done." You. Do you know what I mean, Steve? You just have a breaking point where that's like, that's it's over for me. I'm done with this. And if you're like a big character in the dressing room, it's probably quite hard to come out and and be brave enough to do that mid-season. So I I can't I can kind of like now that you've mentioned it and I actually thought about it and looked into it, Steve, and seeing these comments, it does actually make me realise, yeah, you're probably right. Um not something I'd considered. I mean, you know, just, just going back to Sirius, you know, compa- as a comparison, Steve, you know, statistically, just take a couple of their games, recent recent games, which alludes to what I was saying. Uh the game against AIK, Sirius XG was 1.85, AIK's XG was 0.86. Uh, the week before that, the 24th of July, that I mentioned, Sirius's XG in that match was 3.19. Uh, Mialbi's was 2.64, and Sirius lost that game 3-2. You, you can clearly see what the issue is there, right? They're, they're not capitalising on their chances they're creating. Hamstead are complete reverse; like they're not creating anymore. Granath was doing so well up front; he's he's kind of gone off the boil. I expected Hamstead to start to somehow climb out of this actually, but now you've alluded to it, you, you could start to worry. I mean. They've got Varnamo away coming next. Then they've got Sirius at home. That's a massive game, in my opinion. I think the loser of that game is, is, is almost nailed on bottom four. Um, and then they've got Hacken away, Ellsborg, Jürgen away. Now, you know, by 7th of October, Steve, with five games to go, they could be in serious... Well, they could be in real trouble. Uh, Sirius are the ones who are in serious trouble. But I think that could be almost going homestead to the Super Etten, if you know what I mean. So... um, I think these are two teams where we've looked at EF Core, we've looked at AIK and we've sort of looked at them with a bit of a BDI, Steve, and been like, are they too big to go down? And by the way, I do, would like to just briefly talk about AIK if that's all right. But um, yeah, I think Hamster and the serious, they they need to kind of wake up because the problem with Hamster, they have a really small squad and I don't think they've got the resources really to recruit. So losing a keeper like that is, it can have a massive, even just psychologically, but also in terms of just personnel, Steve, I'm not sure they have the, the squad to really get out of it. And um yeah, in, in my opinion, just to, just to wrap up what I'm trying to say, Steve, before we maybe could move on to AOK, I don't think anyone's safe uh, from. Ka- I don't even think Kalmar are safe. If you look at if you look at the table, I think the only teams that are safe are Mjallby and Up. I think Mjallby will be fine. Every other team, in my opinion, is open open me. I think Värnamo will be fine, but points wise, 25 points. You know, relegation zone starts at 19 points. So I wouldn't even say they're safe. People and I don't think are guaranteed um Kalmar losing Radovic where are they going to get goals from so i think i think i think we're in for a really interesting relegation battle actually i think it's going to be a lot of fun
0: yeah i was looking at these fixtures for hamstad and uh you know this one against Varnamo looks a tough one um certainly to win and then that big game just before the international break <clears throat> hamstad against Sirius i i i will definitely hang my hat on this one whoever loses that is in massive trouble you know, could well go down. Could well go down. So, yeah, you worry about them. Uh, still, let's say the two big clubs down there, AIK and uh, Core. Now, I watched that game on Monday night live. Norship against AIK. Um, what do you make of their survival chances right now?
1: Yeah, I think this is this is rant number two. Um, actually, it's not even really a rant. Another rant? No, it's not. It's not. It's not even a rant. Actually, it's a question. <laughs> um, what exactly, Steve, has Henningberg done at AAK? Now yeah. he's a legend, of course, a treble winner, good manager, in my opinion. He's 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 sort of had a decent managerial career. He's been in Poland, been in Cyprus. He's had a degree of success. But like you, Steve, I watched this match and I actually got to about, I actually got to about sixty minutes of this game and I started thinking, what what? Everybody's sort of thinking, AAK are going to be fine. Um, and they're too good to go down. And I actually got to about 60th minute. And I was like, you know what? They're not. This is not a good football team. right well, they, Steve. They're not actually a good football team. Um, and that is just the basic facts. Uh, and you know, you sort of sometimes with a big club, you're like you're wait, you're just waiting for them to get out. You know, what I mean, the fairy tale story, they'll pick it up, they'll, they'll pick up the points, they've made a few transfers. And I just watched this match. They took obviously took the lead early. In Modesto with a, a really good goal. He had another chance actually where they could have gone two 0 and up. And I was thinking they're gonna they're gonna romp it here. And then they just they just suffer from the like the Mr. Bojangles, don't they, Steve? They they just suffer from nerves. And
0: I got very frustrated with this game. I'm they're a, I'm really ashamed. open.
1: They're a really open team. Uh, you can cut through them like a knife through butter. And the other part of it, Steve, is they, they they can't defend. So he hasn't improved them really defensively. I don't think in a massive way. And they can't attack. They get into the final third, and they're like, what? It's like watching a non-league team, in my opinion, or a League Two team. Like they they their final third actions are just not they're just not good enough um to be considered a a sort of good team in my opinion. They they do make quite a lot of penalty box entries, uh, or final third entries, sorry, but they just they just I mean what Berg's done is he's basically put two fullbacks as wingers. He's put Otieno from left back to left wing and he's put Modesto from right back to right wing. But neither of them is really a, a wide player, if you know what I mean in the traditional sense of the modern game. You know in a 4-3-3 type thing or a 4-4-2 which is what they tend to play and it was really clear watching Otieno for example when he gets into that final third there was one there was one moment Steve, got, he got down the byline really good attacking opportunity he booted the ball nearly 50 yards out of play you know cross it was just wildly over over hit and um that's when i started thinking you oh, know what they're not actually they don't there's no link up play in the in the box kind of thing um, and then if you if you dig deeper into it, Steve, like what have the signings done? You know, Basirovic did very, very little. Um, he's not really, you know, there was all this talk. I, I read I read some comments saying he's gonna be like he's gonna turn the whole season around, um, type thing. He's barely done anything. They've got the issue, you know, he didn't even he came on at half time, obviously, but he didn't do much. Um, Guidetti is injured, and there's actually rumors that he might be thinking of halting his career. I don't know if they're true, but You know, he got injured in a cup game and Goudetti's not really even had a massive impact. I don't even think it really registered that much. But, you know, he's a legendary figure in Sweden in terms of his his contributions, obviously winning the under 21 Euros. He was part of that that famous side with Lindelof and and others, but really kind of went out with a bit of a whimper. remember when he came back home to such fanfare, he's almost been forgotten about a little bit. Pittas, he's he's come in, he's not really, he, he scored, I know he scored early on, but not had a massive impact. Um Ty Chosen at right back was taken off at half time in this game. Um they've sold Robin Sehee to Saudi Arabia, which I thought was a really strange move. Uh player I really like talked about him a lot, but they 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 look a bit light in defense. Um yeah, I don't think I don't think like I just came out of that match thinking, you know what, what, what has actually Henningberg changed um for the better? And he, he came out and said it was one of our better games actually after the match. He said he's 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 happy with how they played. And to me, that's almost even more alarming, Steve, because I thought North Shopping were the better side and, you know, North Shopping having a really good season. We had a comment actually from, um, don't know if you managed to find this, Steve, so bear with me a minute, but we had a comment from a a listener on Twitter, at Nordic Pod that said, uh, I actually think, I'm just getting his handle, Jack Hacken at, uh, at, at Companator, he said, Northampton is the most underrated team in the West Period, um, and I actually agree with them on that. I think I think they've they've had a really good season, and uh, they they kind of in the end dispatched, okay, pretty comfortably to leave them in the bottom two.
0: It, this game frustrated me a hell of a lot. I was talking to you on Monday night. I actually lost an in-running overs bet in this game at three-one. I took over over 4.75 and I don't lose many in running overs I must say uh, but I stupidly relied on AIK actually having composure in front of goal which they didn't have any. I agree with you I think it's all mental. This squad shouldn't be in the bottom 3 at all. Um there's enough quality there but they're not showing their quality because they're getting um, they're getting too panicky, they're snatching at chances. They're creating opportunities, I think, and, and there's a good energy about them. I actually thought they were, I actually thought they were a the better team, but it was Norshipping who showed more more quality on the ball. Trouterson is having a great season, um, so their manager was saying that he thinks he's been the, the best midfielder in Elfsfenskan this season. Um, Lind had a great free kick, so Norshipping's extra quality was the difference. Uh, Aik need to find a way to uh, harness that quality they have on paper and that's up to Berg isn't it really he needs to get the best out of them in that respect they've got some good they've got some favourable home games though before the uh, in the last 10 games and that, that might be the difference but they need to yeah men, It's football is so hard isn't it sport is so hard mentally if they can just sort themselves out in that capacity um because they're just a bit too panicky I feel at the moment
1: yeah I would agree and um I, I'm not sure. I don't know if the, pen, the the thing for me, Steve. I don't know if the I don't know if the penny will drop. I'm, I'm waiting for it to drop. But I'm thinking, who's who's actually going to who's actually going to drag them out of this? And I don't I don't see I don't see many players that I think. Oh yeah, you're gonna. They they give me a bit of a Leeds vibe actually. Last like last season, I just look at them and it's like they got good players, but I I'm looking at it and I'm like, if you look at Leeds when they went down, you had Somerville, you had Nonto, but they're too young to be like the fulcrum of the team to drag them out of this um and I, I kind of I, I see similarities with sort of some of the younger players they have that are good but they're not you know Bilal Hussein, for example he's experienced enough now but it's like can he drag them out of relegation battle the senior players are kind of letting them down Jimmy Dumas hasn't done much the centre-backs have been poor in my opinion this season not, not up to their normal level um the strikers you know you've got Goodetti now no longer there Pittas has just come into the league I'm, I'm I'm just looking at the team I'm like who's going to even Otieno, who was, it seems like maybe even his window of getting a big move is, is sort of 50 50 now. You, I, I just, I'm surprised he's still in the league. And I feel like his stock's gone down this season in terms of his performance levels. So it's like, even him, you know, you're looking him to maybe drag them out of this. But I'm like, is, you know, Modesto's new to the league. I'm shrugging my shoulders, thinking, who's going to drag them out of this? I mean, they got Viber boys at home this weekend. You'd think that's a routine win. But who, who's going to, Who? which player is going to drag them out of this? The Delegation. big problem,
0: right, is the is the goal scoring. So metrically speaking, they're the biggest underachieving side in our Svenskin. They've got an xG per game of one point five two, which is the sixth best of any any side, and yet their goals for per game is zero point nine five. So that is more than more than half a goal underachievement in front of goal. Now that is terrible. So
1: exactly. But then, but, well, who's gonna, but who's the, gonna who's gonna get
0: them out of it? Well, someone needs to start finishing these chances. So. But who? Well, that's that's a, that's the question, isn't it? And <laughs>
1: that's what I mean. I, why so, are they
0: not buying? Why are they not getting? Why are they not buying a reliable striker in this transfer? I think window? they'll
1: be in the market. I think I think I think by this time next week, I'd imagine they'd, they'd get one or two more in. But th- that's the kind of the point I'm making, So If you look at E.F. Core, for example, I don't think we'll have time to talk about them this week. But big derby, obviously, coming up this weekend against um, Hacken. That's a massive match. And the Degafor. We haven't even talked about Degafor E.F. Core yet. You know, the huge win for E.F. Core that late on. Uh, after going one 0 down against Degafors, um you can't emphasise what a big win that is. And they've got the new players now. They've got Selmani. Berg started to score again. You are looking at If you're thinking, Marcus Berg is going to drag them out of this, right? Selmani, maybe you'll get a few goals. Um, they've got. You, I'm start, You look at Ikon. I'm thinking that some they, someone will drag them out of that. But I'm looking at ARK and thinking, who 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 is actually going to drag them out of this? You know, I would argue that maybe. Um, I'd argue that sort of if you look at Varnamo or a, or a, or, a, or a, someone like that, they're more reliable than this ARK team. So yeah, I think the fans won't like it, but I, I, I don't think they're out of this by any stretch of the imagination. I think berg has got a lot of work to do, to be honest, because I don't really feel like I feel like he's had enough games now. It's probably coming up to about ten games um, to really put a stamp on this team, and I don't I don't really see the direction.
0: Yeah, the player to get them out of it might not be at the club right yet. Is, is probably a good answer there but they need to yeah they need to sort out their goal scoring problems i think we may have to is uh, finish it for sweden for this section we're kind of running out of time i don't know if there's anything you wanted to add before we go into the break jonathan but uh yeah a very interesting discussion about this bottom of the table battle
1: no we've we've still got a lot to talk about actually we've got europe we've got norway um only one final little bit of um business it looks like ibrahim sadeep might have played the last game for and uh Aken that squad is getting revolved around at the moment. He looks to be off to young boys burn. And obviously Christopher Lund's already left the league. He's gone to, gone to Italy. I think it, is it Palermo. Can't remember. Yeah, He's He's, uh, he's left the league. They've already assigned his replacement, but <laughs> um, yeah, big changes back at the top. Well, we'll talk about the, you know, really, we talk about the league, who's going to win the league every week. So I feel like this week, it was good to have a relegation discussion. Some of the teams that don't maybe get so much um, airtime on this podcast, you know, you've, you've got to mix up a bit in life, Steve. So uh hopefully that was useful and it's definitely got a few things off my chest
0: yeah well you were definitely a man who uh, doesn't have quite so much on his shoulders heading into the break uh, we will be talking about the european action that's been going on uh, so far uh, in the last week or two There's some big matches in the champions league conference league upcoming as well and uh, a little bit of a talk about Elite seri as well. So join us after the break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with a much rejuvenated Jonathan Faduba now after his serious and uh, bottom of the table last rant. We're now going to talk, we're going to talk about the European uh, matches, teams involved in Europe from Norway and Sweden and Champions League Molder against Galatasaray. And unfortunately I actually didn't see the first leg. I was, Hitting up the golf course as I often do this time of year with me, with, with my dad this evening, uh, but Jonathan, you were were covering for me and um, you had your eye on this fixture. Bit of a wild game at the Arca Stadion first leg. Tell us about how it went.
1: Yeah, roving reporter there, Steve, covering your golf playing. You know the things I do for this and for the I, things I do for the listener. Uh, you know what a tough life watching, having to watch Champions League football. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, hdtv so yeah no uh world's smallest violin but um yeah no to be honest i really enjoyed this game to be fair uh galatasaray we talked about it last week we had a bit of a preview steve you gave your thoughts uh, i know that obviously Leeds and galatasaray is always uh historically a bit of a touchy subject so i know i know exactly who you wanted to win this match um but yeah good game actually really enjoyed it uh it finished Mulder 2, Galatasaray 3. The goals were scored by... Uh, Mulder actually took the lead, Martin Lingson, uh, with a nice header. And Mulder started really well. They looked really in control of the game. It looked like, you know, maybe they, they were really up for this one, actually. I was surprised. Um, but goals from Oliveira, massively deflected free kick, Steve. I mean, it was not, wasn't going anywhere near in. And a uh, huge deflection. Then a piece of magic from Mauro Riccardi. That's what you get when you've got a player who's how many millions of pounds has he been traded for in in the past sort of 10 years um you know he's had, he's had his off-field problems but you could see on the day i mean i guess it's kind of why he's at galatasaray you know or maybe off field stuff has overtaken his on-field stuff but real bit of class volley into the net 2-1 and then galatasaray sort of started to control the game i would love to see the xg flow of this match you know on a, on a sort of a Y scout chart or a, you know the stats for the, it because it really ebbed and flow it was a game where molder were in control Galatasaray took control, Mulder took control, Galatasaray took control. Uh, Haugen equalised, lovely um, left-footed shot. Um, 2-2 just after half-time, 56th minute. But Steve, phew. and ironically, had to be a Norwegian, Frederik Mitz- Mitzjo, I believe he pronounced it, former Rosenborg man. Uh, he came on the field, Steve, in the 82nd minute to booze from the Molde fans. I guess they, I guess that rivalry, Molde-Rosenborg, is still alive because he, he came on to booze and everyone was one. I was thinking... Why are they bring a Norwegian player? Um, clearly obviously looked into his history and realised. And who popped up 93rd minute to score the winner? But Mitch. So uh, some great play from McCarty. Actually, Steve, the, the mistake here came from um one of the centre backs. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but yeah, it was back. I think. He he looked, he's 31 years old and he looked he looked tired. His ball over the top, and Makardi just got the better of him. It just looked like he was a bit fatigued, and Icardi was very like a pickpocket you know just sneaked in nicked the ball uh and just squared it to um mitch tap tapping essentially and to win the game so really disappointed for molder but uh, there were a lot of comments on twitter people saying i mean we had caught one comment uh from a, a follower called uh sorry ramon vega to at tony hba who said a Molde always that organized and confident with the ball they played exceptionally well so um let me ask you that, Steve, because to be honest, I was really impressed with that.
0: Yeah, this match actually caught the highlights, played out exactly as I predicted. I, um, I was on a show this week and I made an advocate for backing the goals. Where a lot of people fancied the unders based on recent results from both teams, but I had a feeling it would be end-to-end. Um, both sides are often serious favourites in most fixtures they play domestically. So I think it did them both good to be you know, in this balanced sort of game. And, um, yeah, it sounds like Mulder have been very unlucky. 22 shots, just six on target. That can be a problem for them. They're a bit snatchy. Uh, but Icardi really is the one true, real classy player on that field, isn't he? And it sounds like he's kind of been the difference maker today. Are they always that organised? No. But I think they, they can't be underestimated in Europe because... When they are, like I said, sort of more of an underdog and less fancy, then um, they have a decent track record under this manager as well, and they're going to be, um, they're going to be a handful probably for teams in in the Europa League group now. Because I mean, I, I, they're not going to, they're not going to turn that around, are they? they you know, they're not going go to go turkey and win. If they do that, then I feel like I'll do some sort of forfeit for them um but you yeah, you'll eat a whole turkey <laughs> i don't know what i'll do but uh, <laughs> that would be some that would be sensational wouldn't it so i think but i think maybe that's they knew they had to win this game so i can't blame them for going for it and uh you know encouraging performance going going forwards really for for Mulder,
1: and um well let me ask you the question why are they so unpredictable because that's that's the question mm, from it's a very good question Mish, yeah misco mm. 89 Said, Any idea why Mulder is so unpredictable this season compared to last? Mm-hmm. Even just total goals in their games. It seems to be either zero or hundred, no in between.
0: That's a really good question. And I've been kind of head scratching myself about it recently. You've got to you've got to pick the matchups. I think team, you know what I think teams are starting to realize against Mulder. The ones who kind of sit back park the bus. Teams did this in Europe against them last year, I think Genk or one of them, or was it Ghent? I always get mixed up there. Um, and uh, um, teams that make themselves hard to break down for straight molder. Wollarenga did that at the weekend. It was a good tactical game plan from Geert And I think if you are willing to defend and have got some defensive resistance, then it, it can be stifled. So that could be a possible explanation. They haven't been as clinical in both boxes this year, as in individual mistakes have cost them defensively. And I think in attack, they've missed crucial chances at key moments compared to last year. Like they were, they were a machine last year, this year it's been more ups and downs, but um, it is wild inconsistency. Yeah, you're absolutely right about it. But let's also remember during this period, they've been, it's been a brutal qualifying campaign that they were taken to extra time by KI. HJK gave them two tough games so that also could be why the results
1: are fluctuating domestically for, for Mulder. Let's look at um, the other games now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've just said there that you'll literally eat a whole turkey live on live on air on YouTube if um, they turn it around. So I, I'm pretty sure you know. I'm pretty sure we can guess who you think will win the next game. Um, do you give Mulder any chance, percentage wise? You know, just in the sentence, like what percentage chance do you think they have of winning? of overturning it? Qualifying.
0: Um, It's got to be probably below, probably 10% or below now, right? I mean, they've got to win in 90 minutes at least. Even that might not be enough because you've got extra time, possibly penalties. Turkey's a tough place to go. I said on the last podcast that I think Turkish football's on the rise again. I think there's better players in this league now. Um you know, I was looking at the Conference League fixtures and a batch here at home against twenty. I know who your money will be on in that one. Um, but the Turkish league is improving, so I'm just pleased that Moldova have given a good account of themselves because they were disappointed against HJK. They were disappointed against Ki, and I think it's good that on the big because these playoff games, a lot of people watch them. I think it's good that they've um, put their, you know, shown people what they can do. And if it was to be Europa League groups, let's let's hope they get a big team in there, you know, a really yeah, big club. I have club to say
1: as well on that, um, I think they've done Norwegian football in a fantastic light there. Actually, I, I, I tuned yeah. in just expecting them to get bad. Didn't expect them to yeah. put up such a fight. And I think, I think it actually reflects well on Norwegian football. I have to say, I thought it right. was, um, it made me sit up and think, you know what, especially with the hearts, Rosenborg as well last week. I know they weren't, um, I know maybe they just missed out, but I thought both games I sort of came out of them feeling like, you know what, Norway, Norwegian football's not in too bad a place. Um, right. So, fair play to Mulder, and I, they didn't deserve to lose to him. It's really unlucky. Yeah. but um, I hope
0: they... You never know. You never know next week. Let's see what they can do.
1: In, yeah, football's in a funny game. You never know, but uh, tough tough ask. But let's move on to the other two matches, Steve. What, we did briefly preview these last week, but, I mean, do you have any... Let's put it this way. Do you have any further thoughts or predictions for Bran, AZ, Alkmaar, and Glimpse, Is there any sort of team news that we need to be aware of? Or anything that's changed your mind since... Um, those goals were made and confirmed.
0: Well, what I have done is I've done a bit more research on the Romanian club, Sepsi, um, who finished sixth in the Romanian league last year, but qualified for this uh, conference league via, by winning the Romanian Cup. This is a club that was only formed in the year 2011 and it achieved promotion to the top tier in six years by quickly climbing through the Romanian league system. Um, they, they they seem like a very interesting club at 8,400 capacity stadium. Um, I haven't actually looked if, if this match is going to be played at that stadium, uh, so that's bad on me. But, um, it's going to be this is a big, big match for Sepsi, you know, against Buda Glimpse. Um, they're going to be bang up for it. it. It feels like the sort of place that you probably don't want to be traveling to, actually. Um, although over two legs, Glimpse should really get it, get, have enough against um, a team that's finished sixth in Romania, shouldn't they? Um, so I, I shouldn't see them having any problems overall. But the first leg might be one of those banana skins where even a draw might not be the biggest shock in the world. AZ Brand, well, this is one of those games where Brand I think, just need to take their chances when it comes. I mean, AZ Outmar are... What do we class them as? Because I mean, I watched PS3. We've had this discussion about... We seem to have this discussion about Dutch teams every week, don't we? But I watched PSV against Rangers, and I, I I quite like what I saw from PSV. They looked a, a decent team, but then we see we see other Dutch sides who perhaps are not quite so strong. Almav, I don't know what category to put them in. They're, they're sort of they're often right on the coattails, aren't they? The big three, and then sometimes drop down. I, I think there will be a tougher test. For Brandon Aruka, r- a though. So, this is they, they're going to need, like, they're going to need AZ to miss some chances. The goalkeeper going to have to have a good game. They're going to have to be completely clinical. So, I, did I say on my last show I had a good feeling Brand might go through? I think I did, didn't I? I'm not sure about that now. <laughs> I've had more time. More time I think about it. My head's taken over that realistically, Acer out. I should be getting past Brand over two legs, but my heart would like to see Brand go through.
1: Yeah, and we've talked a lot about brand the season. You know, they're riding the crest of a wave. Maybe it's just fallen off a little bit, but sh- should be an interesting mm-hmm. game. That one. Uh, don't know if it's on TV in the UK. I'm just checking out now to see, but no, I don't think it is. But uh, Alkmaar themselves, just in terms of recent form, they're in really great form. they won the last five on the, in a row. Um, I think that includes friendlies, though. Over... No, actually, it doesn't. It doesn't include friendlies. Oh, it does include. F- no, it just well, they've had well, a
0: good start in the league. They beat Go yeah. Ahead Eagles five-one. Uh, Valvik. 3-1, yeah, but that's one, that yeah. league for you. You know, there's so many goals in that league. Nobody can defend at all. Um, so, I think... I mean, in in my that. opinion, I think
1: AZ are a slightly higher cate- higher category. Um, mm. I think they're kind of between... They're sort of between that big three. Well, they're in they're no PSV. man's land, aren't they? PSV, they're kind yeah, of on their own. And, but they're not They're not as bad as maybe some... Of, not bad. They're not bad teams, but, you know, they're not... I think they're maybe not quite PSV or top of the big three, but they're maybe a little bit above the others. Um, in terms of player quality, anyway, I think they've got some decent players. I think O'Gard's oh, all right, and there's one or two others. Um, prediction? You think? You think? Brad, you think? You think? You still got sneaky feeling, Brown? But you're, you're 50-50. Yeah, I think the, I think there's going to be
0: goals in both legs. I could see something like three-one to maybe AZ in the first leg, um, and maybe Brand could nick a win in the second leg, like two-one. So I mean, I, look, I'll say AZ now overall on aggregate, but I think Brand it can be plucky. Can keep it close. One thing I will say is that the Elite Serian fixtures—none of those teams involved in Europe are playing this weekend, so the league has given them the week off. I got—I got this wrong. I got the wrong week basically on the last show. Um, so you know, everyone's going to have a whole week to prepare for the second leg, which is—that's—that's—that does help. They're giving the, all these teams the best possible chance to qualify for the next um, round of uh, fixtures. So let's see how that goes. And, uh, you know, obviously reasonable will go out, but there's still three teams left from Norway. One left in Sweden, that's Hecken. Hecken against Aberdeen. Um, home favourite here, I noticed uh, for the first day. Quite a, an easy uh, home favourite, actually. Anyone who watched <laughs> who watched Hibs against uh, Villa um, tonight might be thinking, oh, what sort of state is Scottish football in? I thought Hearts were quite good last week. But um, this is an interesting one. We, we briefly talked about it last week. Um, are you, are you, any more to add on your prediction for Heck and Aberdeen?
1: To be honest, I don't, I don't know what way this is going to go. I really I don't know a huge amount about Aberdeen. Um, but what I will say is, you know, you just talked there about Scottish football. We've, we've, we've had, I've had th- three sample, samples of it in recent weeks. We've had the Hearts game. Where I came out with thinking, you know what, Scottish football is doing quite mm, well. Yeah, uh, Rosenborg, Hibs, Villa, where it's the most convincing when I've seen all season. I mean, it's the early season, but it's the most convincing one I've seen. That made you realise the level of the Premier League is just so high, isn't it? They play a full-strength team and absolutely blew away Hibs. Rangers, PSV, Steve. Where I thought, I thought Rangers put in a good fight, and I thought to myself, you know what, P- Rangers are a decent level um, against a sort of decent PSV team. It's interesting, isn't it, comparing these sort of like quote unquote minor leagues sort of Scotland, Rangers, Sweden, uh sorry, Scotland, Netherlands, Sweden, Norway. Um it's, it's, it's fun. I quite enjoy it actually just trying to figure out the levels and who's you know who's where. Um my, my gut feeling tells me how can they gonna, gonna win this, but but I do feel like if Aberdeen have the sort of physicality that the Hearts did um or Rangers do then I think that could catch out Hakken because I, I do feel like if there's one weakness for Hakken, I feel like the midfield is, it's not lightweight, like Rigo and the Gustafsson twins are, are very, very good technical players. But I think if there's an advantage for Aberdeen, it's, it's in the fact that I, I feel like they could fit from the games I've seen. I think the physicality of Rangers and Hearts impressed me against Rosenborg and, and PSV. And I just feel like could that maybe be the one stumbling block maybe for Hakken in terms of that? And they, if you let them play football, then you're in a bit of trouble even though they've got a completely almost new squad now. Um but at the same time, you know, that ruggedness maybe of the Scottish Premier League. Is that maybe going to come back and, and and maybe bite uh Hacken a little bit who have had a lot of games with lately and you know they're as I said to you against in that serious match I did I thought they got a little bit lucky really to win that. Um so yeah the first leg Steve is is it's in Aberdeen isn't it? So No, first really? leg's
0: in Hacken. Hacken at home. Yeah, that's right. So, leg. first
1: leg at Bravida. So, I feel like Hacken could take an, a lead into the second leg. I think they need to, actually. I think they need mm. to win the, the game. Um, but I really put it as 50-50, actually. I don't... I lean slightly towards Hacken, but I think I'd need to watch Aberdeen a bit more, and hopefully I'll get to do that um, if this game's televised.
0: It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? That um the the losers get a place in the conference league, which is not the end of the earth, is it? So it doesn't feel like the stakes are perhaps as high in this way. You'd say it was a conference league qualifier, winner goes through, loser gets nothing. Uh, at least there is a consolation prize for both. And you could even argue that both would be better off being in the conference league, more chance well, of winning yeah, and I stuff. Mean, how can so, they've never
1: been in a group stage? So they, I think mm-hmm. they're kind of like either way, they're buzzing. Uh, yeah. Literally those bees. And then they've got a big derby on 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 on, Saturday, on Sunday, so it's it's a tough time for the, that game to fall. Interestingly, yeah. what you said about the Norwegian League sort of allowing teams a week off, I, I saw that Galatasaray also having their game cancelled at the weekend, so they've got another week to prepare um, as well, which is something that's, I think a good idea actually, really for um, these teams. Doesn't seem like it's it's filtered through to Sweden. Yeah, um, it should really. so yeah, interesting talking point there. But let, let's move on, Steve. We've got a few more minutes on the show before we need to to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, a few little bits and pieces to round off. Uh, I mean, we've got Glimpsepsi. Do you want to just give you prediction for that quickly? Yeah, I Glimpsepsi, 4-1 on through.
0: aggregate for me.
1: I think Glimpsepsi will go through. So let's look at the um, the latest round in the latest serian. I did want to ask you a fantasy question, but I think we're running out of time a little bit um, because there's only four games this weekend. Yeah,
0: I don't, um, I don't have a clue what to do in fantasy because I've I've not got any chips left. It's where you yeah. need a free like a free hit, don't you, in um in, in FPL. You'd because... play your rich uncle,
1: would you? If you had it.
0: Yeah, I would. If I still had the rich uncle, I would, but I think most have used that chip up already. Um yeah. from previous rounds. Uh well let me uh, let me been... run
1: through the games from last weekend. Mulder nil, Wallerang Nil. Uh, obviously Molder were saving their performance for uh, Galatasaray, of course. goal is there. Odd nil, Salzburg three. Brand ran out five one winners at home to Arlesund. Uh Haugerson one Glimp three, two for Pellegrino, one for ham cam three, Rosenborg nil. That's a massive result. Maybe a bit of a hangover for Rosenborg post Europe. Uh Troms are one Sandyfield nil. I think that was one of your weekend preview games. Um, and then Viking King, Starbeck as well, one nil to Viking. They keep their good form going. And it was all rounded off by Strom's Godset. Lillestrom uh two one to Lillestrøm away win there. Leonard Olsen and Ibrahimai cancelling out Melkerson's goal. So um, the state of play at the moment, I mean, let's just talk about that Ham Cam game. That's quite significant, mm. isn't it?
0: Big win. Really big win for Ham Cam. Three goals to nil. If you'd listened to the weekend preview show, I did tip them at a big price to beat them right on the nose. And uh, it was a good time of phase Reasonable. let's be honest, after there uh, was a really energy, exhausting game, wasn't it, in Scotland? But still, you've got to... Perform uh, as well, and I think HamCam really got in their faces here. It was a bit of a bitty game. Um, yeah, it was, uh, wasn't was exactly the most placid of uh surroundings. There was a bit of needle out there, I think, uh, both on and off the field. Um, an incident after the game in the uh, in the interview room where uh, Jacob Mickelson, the uh, HamCam manager, had his two kids with him, and uh. You know, sometimes that happens, doesn't it, in interviews where you enjoy in the moment and your family is sometimes around. And uh, I don't think Fine Marlin was too happy about that. The Rosenborg manager told him to hurry up with your kindergarten, basically, stuff like that. No one really knows exactly what he said. Um, Mickelson didn't like it, told him to F off. Uh, so that was a spicy finish to the game. Um, but, uh, I mean, on the field of the SA Ham Cam did really well. Just they've got themselves about physically. I think they deserve the win and uh, a big win because I think probably Rosenborg will win more than they lose towards the end of the season. So other teams down there, when they face Rosenborg, may end up on the losing side. And uh, it's now um, two wins in a row for HamCam. You know, much after that shocking run of form they had around sort of late spring, uh, they're now up to 22 points. They've got a six point gap to the relegation zone. So um, yeah, it did look really, really bad, didn't it, for Hamcam at one point? I'm just trying to find this really bad run of, of uh, form that they had. Um, yeah, I, I thought they were, yeah, they lost eight out of nine at one point. And at that stage, I worried for them. I really did. I thought I, 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 they may well be going down. Teams can sometimes really just don't get out of that sort of funk. But they've now won five of the last seven games. I mean, that's impressive going, isn't it?
1: Very impressive going and that's a big win actually, I think. Um like we mentioned there, there's only four games this weekend, so we'll just quickly run through uh those matches. It's uh are in action. They're one of the few teams. They're at home to Arlison, Wallorengo against Odd at home, Wallorengo at home to Odd, Sandy Field, and Sartsburg. Tromso is the early game on the Saturday. Um Steve, I think you just want to uh quickly touch on one other talking point, which is um the top three are winning the game, but mm. I want to frame it with a question from a very important listener of the show who uh, has been contributing quite well lately. So thank you very much. Um And that is Big Sig. He asks at Big Sig 5, how serious of a title contender is Viking at this point? Uh, and he says, last weekend, the top five and Leeds played the bottom five. Molder dropping points. Troms are winning late. Buda going down before turning around. Which of those games was the biggest surprise to you? Um, you don't have to answer that one if you don't want to, Steve. I know Tromzo is a bit of a sore point for you at this moment in time. But uh, how, how seriously should we be taking Viking?
0: We have have won 10 games in a row. So I think they have to be taken very, very seriously, don't they? Um, David Bracalo, I think, got the winning goal against 10-man Starbeck. Bracalo is actually linked with uh, a move away. Luton Town are in for him, possibly Coventry City. Uh, Michelin as well, so they that would be a big loss. I mean, I was thinking the other day about already, you know, what would be my best 11 of the season in elite Serien so far. And David Brocala would definitely be in that X1. So, important win for Viking. I mean, it's no all, all the top three won, there was no shocks here. Um, we all thought there would be Sandefjord for Tromso Viking against Starbeck and Glimp were away at Haugus. And what was a surprise is how. How difficult Viking and Tromsø have made life for themselves. They both needed late goals. Um, you know, Viking keep doing this. They've nicked some really late winners this year. And that, that's the sign of a champion, isn't it? Or a team that's definitely not folding under pressure. Um, Tromsø as well got themselves a late goal. It was a, a game which I think both teams probably had a, quite a lot of chances in. There was uh, an incredible double save actually from the Sandefjord keeper at one, one point. Um, but I think it was around the 80th minute just before Tromso scored. I couldn't believe a goal wasn't scored um in that period. So a massive chance for Tromso to put a bit of pressure on the top two this weekend when they go to Sarpsborg away, which that could end literally anything because you just don't know which version of Sarpsborg will show up on the day at all. Uh, but if Tromso do win that, they're up to 42. And... Um, you know, that would really be a genuine three-horse. It is a three-horse race anyway, because Troms have got a game in hand. But um, that would put a bit of pressure on the two teams that are not playing. But yeah, as you were at the top, Molder, not that they were really in the race, uh, but they're now 10 off the top. and With uh, you know 11 games left, that's asking probably a lot for them, especially as they're going to be involved in European competitions. Um, they might have to win the Norwegian Cup to get back into Europe at this rate. Which would be kind of ridiculous, wouldn't it? But um I I keep thinking that, you know, Viking Tromsaw or even both, they're just gonna have to falter at some stage. You feel like it should happen. Just waiting i I'm just waiting for
1: it to happen. But it's,
0: it's not 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 happening yet.
1: Not happened yet. And I think that is pretty much where we're gonna leave this show. Uh it's been an emotional one. Bit of a roller coaster but I think a good one. So hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. As always, we're on YouTube as well. And Steve, I think one week you're going to have to read out some of these YouTube comments because we do, we seem to get comments every week on YouTube. And I feel like I think you are manning that account at times, but um, we do get some insightful comments that maybe we should sort of pull up and put sort of, you know, reply to on the show maybe. Um, But yeah, if you haven't subscribed, then check out the YouTube. If you want to listen to it in a different way, of course, and we do have bonus content on there at times with a player analyses on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. And of course, if you ever have any questions for us, yeah, send them in as well. You can email us. We have a few emails tonight from Watford fans. Um so yeah, we've we've been asked to go on a few different shows, haven't we, Steve, at the moment? But uh I'm not sure where we sit we'll sit on that at this moment in time. I think the schedules are the schedules are pretty busy at this time of the year. But hopefully we've answered all your questions, um, especially on transfers, players moving in and out. Uh we probably do. I mean, if you do follow us on, on the Patreon and subscribe, um Steve very kindly put together a bit of a fantasy preview. So don't miss out that as well, because we do actually do provide some fantasy content at times. Uh so yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um we'll be back to look at all the European action as well soon. Uh it's like the time of the year, really, where it's a little bit of a different flavour, isn't it, to the pod where we've got these European games to talk about. So um well done, Mr. Meatman.
0: Yes, um, the YouTube channel. <clears throat> I do apologize to anyone who I don't respond to on there. I do man that channel, and it sometimes uh, forget about some of the comments. I, it doesn't, I don't get the notifications as I should. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe um, maybe one day we'll do a live YouTube podcast, and people can ask us questions live on air. I don't know if you fancy that one, Jonathan, that'd be uh, rather an intriguing one, wouldn't it? Um, then then we're definitely going to answer everyone's questions, but. Uh... Yeah, I'd it's be up been for it. A, a pleasure to have everyone on um, this show. Uh, again, listening to these uh, episodes, you, the support that's out there is fantastic for us, and uh, we appreciate all the great comments. And it's been great being with you again, Jonathan. And until next time, maybe goodbye from me.
1: Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.